0: Hey everybody, c Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like doing laundry. A little bit difficult at first, but ultimately worth it. Today on the show, we are talking about, while asking the question, what are thoughts and feelings? This is a question that um, I haven't really asked myself that much until the last few months. And it's a question that I think has helped me find a sense of peace day to day. And to find my sense of center, to get reconnected to who I am and, in, and be in the moment and be able to let go of some of the worries and concerns and sort of long-term anxieties and worries that I experience. Not that those things have disappeared so much as being aware of the definition of thoughts and feelings, uh, at least my interpretation. And this is what this is going to be. My interpretation, uh, where you know I'm able to to refocus and be able to see it for what it is. So let's define that. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down here on dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. Drums, please. <laughs>
1: Well Sh- right, uh-uh. it right, H- right, H- uh-uh. right, right uh-huh. uh-huh. y-
0: friend. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. And uh, it means a lot that you'd listen to the show. So if you've listened to a few episodes at this point, I would love it if you hit the like and subscribe button or hit ma- leave a rating and review. If you're listening to the audio version here on the, on the podcast, um, on your favorite podcast platform, leaving a rating and review helps spread the word of this podcast of the ideas that I share and trying to help people with mental health empowerment to uh, Today I want to talk about what are thoughts and feelings. And let's start there. What are thoughts and feelings? (laughs) Uh, I wanted to do an episode just on thoughts, but I think feelings are just as important. And this all really relates to uh, connections between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in relation to managing our mental health day to day, moment to moment, really. And uh, thinking about what our thoughts are, what our feelings are, may allow for us to sort of watch them instead of uh, panic about them. So let's start with thoughts. Uh, For me as a thinker in the Myers-Briggs system, I am someone that I will use more logical perceptions, uh, connections between ideas, and I will filter uh, and look for inconsistencies in someone's line of logic or the way that they're behaving or something like that. And that's sort of still a big picture view of what thoughts are. What thoughts are for me, are what emerge in my brain as electrons. I think of them as sparks. That there is a spark that forms as the result of sensory information, of pattern recognition information, of parts of my life experience. Things that I see, smell, hear, and interpret Through my perception of reality, which is, you know, looking through my eyes or smelling something or seeing something, feeling something that's a sense of balance or off balance. And, but also being able to find the patterns between those things and perceive them. So when I perceive those patterns as an INTP, I put those thoughts together and formulate ideas. And then those ideas can become projects and those projects become something that becomes a part of reality. And So thoughts themselves are just the initial spark. The thought is the idea that comes to mind as a result of uh, what I'm working on or what I'm talking about or what I'm thinking. When I'm doing these podcasts, for example, I have typically a magnet in the middle of the field, which is a term that uh, my friends at Personality Hacker have used to refer to basically having an outline, having the general topic to talk about and I improvise. Uh, I've worked through the topic. I've thought about this topic. I have plenty to talk about on the topic. And all I have to do is make sure that I'm not tethering myself or, or disconnecting the tether from the idea, you know, at too much of a distance that I have to stay on point and I have to stay focused. If I have that tether, then I can formulate all sorts of thoughts around that. So thought on a granular level is more like the equivalent of an atom, uh, in, you know, uh, In the way that you think about the universe, it's this tiny thing, and usually we have loads of thoughts. We have lots of interconnecting thoughts. Uh, And this is pre language. Language helps us formulate our thoughts, but often thoughts don't necessarily have language assigned to them just yet. We assign language based on the language we know and how we want to express and interpret, whether that's to ourselves or to other people. I know for me as an INTP, I can interpret what I'm thinking without having to put language to it. Uh, so I do talk to myself in my head. I have words. And usually those words are the result of trying to find ways to express and interpret and say what I'm thinking. But the individual thoughts themselves are not necessarily, uh, you know, they're, they're not necessarily ideas based in language, and if I had other languages that I knew, I could interpret that idea in different ways and different languages from different angles. So we think about individual thoughts, but most of us struggle with having excessive thoughts, too many thoughts, or not being able to mangle, mangle manage or wrangle these uh, thoughts in a productive way. Like how do we put these thoughts into something that is manageable? How do we think about these thoughts as something that... Uh, that can just be. And I think that's the goal. It's going to be the same for feelings, but we'll cover that when we go through that as well, that thoughts, in a sense, are this something that's just your brain is producing as a result of your environment. Like I said, sensory information and your intuitive responses, your pattern recognition. Now, for me, it's mostly pattern recognition. Uh, But if you think about it from... The enneagram perspective. Enneagram has uh, instinctual subtypes, and in a sense, our instincts are what are responding. Our instincts respond to what we're experiencing and what we're uh, uh, what we want. It really creates the desires that we want. Whether it's we need to eat, we need to uh, reproduce, we need to get some sleep. Uh, those things are our biological responses to. What we need as humans, whether that's pre-programmed or in response to our environment. So some of those things are long-term, based on age, puberty, whatever. Other things are moment-to-moment, right? You see someone attractive, and you're like, "Yeah, let's make that happen." Uh, or there is, you know, you, you kind of see some some good food, and the mouth waters. It's, it's like a very similar response. Um, <laughs> so, in essence. When you're thinking about like your your connection needs, your uh, your social connection needs, your personal connection needs, your internal needs, and your uh, you know those self-preservation needs, those things translate to thoughts on how to get those needs met. So feelings are very similar, and I might as well jump over to feelings, in that feelings are the biological response to sensory information. Thinking and feeling are both processes in regards to making decisions. So the first thing that happens is that we absorb our environment. We absorb what is happening around us. Like I said, sensory information or intuitive information. And for us to to process properly, whether that's emotionally or or, or thoughts, we need to watch them and let them happen. So for feelings you think of feelings as literally think of the word feel feel is physical feel in your body. And physical sensation is not necessarily exactly the same as physical feeling, but physical feeling is the raw interpretation of that emotional experience that you're, you're having, uh, in regards to, you know, what you've just experienced. So crying is a very emotional, it's the most common, I would say, understanding of emotional expression, right? You cry, you release, but it's a physical release. There's a reason you have tears. There's a reason your face gets red. There's a reason that your body might tense up and you have to sort of, you know, your body is releasing tension and emotions are one way for the body to release tension. And more people just happen to favor that sort of release, uh, I say favor as if it's a choice, but favor in terms of your cognitive preference as a method of releasing and understanding what's happening in your experience and your emotional experience of uh, of of the sensory, you know, of, of of sensory stuff. So when we come across an experience that is powerful, that is moving, there's a lot of there's a reason that we use these words. A lot of these words are in relation to behaviors. These are expressions of what, uh, language expressions of what a reaction to our environment makes us want to do. Right. So being, you know, feeling moved to feeling like this experience is powerful. Uh, this has been, uh, important to me. It feels this, uh, sense of, of it's something happens in your body typically as a feeler, but, but even as a thinker, you know, I experience this in my body, you get uh, attuned to the sensations of your experiences and you're able to interpret them as to what your body is feeling. So it's like not necess- so what I'm doing right now in this podcast, for example, is I'm intellectualizing about thoughts and feelings. There's a difference between understanding and watching your thoughts and feelings and feeling them versus talking about them, right? Feeling your feelings is is being in your body and accepting what is happening in your body as what is. And most of the time we can't help that. And I think we struggle with feeling like we can control our thoughts and feelings. We can control whether or not we have negative thoughts about someone that we want to hurt them or we want to do something bad or that we have uh, an overt sexual desire that might be you know, not acceptable to society, uh, not saying those things are valid, but the understanding of having thoughts and feelings inherently doesn't make you a quote unquote bad person. It's uh, it's part of the human experience to process and work through the complications that come with the emotional experience because you're just taking in your own environment and ultimately the thoughts that you experience are not necessarily your decisions you're not taking action just yet on something same thing with your feelings you're not taking an action based on your feelings just yet you're observing them you're being aware of them you're cataloging them you're putting them in places so that you can understand what happens in later in life meaning if you have a another situation that occurs where you experience the same kind of feeling in your chest that you can catalog this as, you know, what this emotion was. For me, when I'm feeling anxiety and stress, it feels like a vibration throughout my body. It feels like my nerves are going crazy. And it feels like my, it's it's sort of a pins and needles feeling, but it's more of a vibration outward than it is in a vibration inward. And all my body ever wants to do is like move and hit something and and just flail. I described my uh manic experience with I which I'm kind of on the tail end right now to Molly yesterday as flailing tentacles. <laughs> that's what I felt that's what I've been feeling like my expression is like. It kind of feels like this this flailing motion. That's more of an intuitive interpretation, but uh my emotional experience I've been trying to find ways to to express my emotional experience through simile, through imagery, through uh, some sort of play, because that allows me to get my emotional expression out. Uh, and for different people, they're going to have different types of emotional expression. That It's going to be more inward and feeling it and personal. And other people need to get outward. They need to express. They need to talk. That's why I have this podcast. I need to express. I need to talk. And it's the same thing with thoughts. Uh, many of us, don't necessarily want to play with cold factual data in our heads. We want to write it out or plan it out or structure it out. And uh, others need to work on that internally. They need to map out what's going on in their head and uh, create these sort of, you know, catalogs or uh, file cabinets in your mind. And you keep the information there. And uh, some of the struggle that we deal with when it comes to thoughts and feelings is knowing what to do with them. And I think there's a distinct difference between thoughts and feelings and the behaviors associated with them. Having thoughts and feelings, uh, you know, it means a lot, but it does not characterize who you are because your thoughts and feelings are ever-changing. Your thoughts and feelings are, again, the result of your experience, your personal life experience, your interpretations what your perception of reality is and all sorts of other things that paint a picture of your life. And, uh, it's important to know that as as humans, we are born sponges. We are human sponges that absorb information. We are an empty palette. Uh, we have preference for how we are going to catalog information, but the information that comes from the outside world is being filtered through that every single day of our lives. So we learn things from our parents. We learn things from our caregivers and and our school teachers and our peers and our our sensory environment. We learn how physics works. We learn how uh, people respond to emotional experiences, Who, how people respond to us, how we respond to them. And it's this complicated, interconnected web of everything that's happening all at once, emotions, thoughts, feelings, interpretations. It's just nonstop. So what needs to happen is that when we try to stop our thoughts and feelings, when we try to change them, we're often going against the flow of our natural perception, meaning we're perceiving things and our mind needs to take it in and then either catalog it or do something with it. The equivalent of trying to change your thoughts is like putting a dam on a river And wondering why there's no water on the other side. There is an important component to being able to let your thoughts flow. Your thoughts flow because they allow for new thoughts to enter. Your feelings need to be expressed and understood and needs to be honored so that new feelings can come in a lot of us get blocked. We get stuck. We get this feeling of, of, of being stopped in our tracks, uh, whether that's for moral reasons or for, uh, fear of safety or control of a situation, there are all sorts of reasons why we may stop what we're feeling or what we're thinking, because it may be, may not be conducive for the next thing. Um, And it's another thing when we're working on projects, for example, where if we're trying to force ourselves to output in a certain way, it usually doesn't happen if we don't have the tools to do so. I was actually listening to uh, Alan Watts last night, and there's a really great description that he gave about learning something new. That we practice, we practice, we try, we try, we try. And there's one thing to develop muscles, to develop skills, to develop the ability. But usually we don't know when we're able to do something. Meaning you practice, you practice, you practice. And then one day you just kind of wake up and realize, oh, I'm good at this. I know how to do this now. And much of the time getting into flow, getting into the space of being able to allow yourself to be good at something is the result of accepting that you were not good at it at all, that you needed to let your mind and your body relax itself of all of the thoughts and feelings you were having around not being good about, at this thing. So we spend so much time trying to manage and control our thoughts and feelings As if that's going to help us. And there's this assumption that being able to hold those thoughts and feelings is some sort of superpower. There is a power to it. Being a thinker allows me to manage the ebb and flow of feelings. But the blocking of feelings that I have to block in order to think about the things I need to think, that still needs to be let loose. That still needs to go somewhere. I can't just block it and let the river flow perpetually because again if you dam the river it's not like the river is going to not flow anymore you're going to flood the upper levels it's going to keep coming there's just and it's the valve is always open when it comes to thoughts and feelings you cannot stop it what you can do is watch it and there are kind of these there are these concepts around watching your thoughts happen and watching your feelings happen. And those are concepts that I don't know that I'm at the level to be able to properly teach. Um, but I am still learning personally to watch my thoughts be what, and and let them be what they are. Right. Much of what I'm doing when I'm on this podcast and when I'm talking is a process of just letting things be what they are. I'm not judging myself right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be right. I'm not trying to say something specific. I'm trying to stay within the realm of this topic, but I'm not trying to control what comes out of me. And that's usually what allows me to do this podcast and lets me to be, allows me to be honest about my experience, whether that's thoughts or feelings based if you're just watching your thoughts be what they are, then you just let them be what they are. So the, the core theme here is this feeling of judgment, that our thoughts and feelings and the reason we try to stop them is because we're judging them. And who do you think is judging them? There's, there's something else going on. You can't judge your thoughts unless there's an ability to watch your thoughts and to be aware of your thoughts. So if you can judge your thoughts, then you can let go of judgment of your thoughts. It's like it's kind of that simple. <laughs> but it's really easy to uh to lose awareness of that, or to not have awareness of that. It's and and it's it's complicated. Our brains are complicated. We're having multi-disciplined, multi-level conversations with ourselves all the time. I think I experience this pretty viscerally when I'm dealing with my manic episodes. There's a part of my brain that is constantly judging myself. And then there's another part of my brain that is trying to be the facilitator and let those judgments be what they are, but also realizing that I can't control in those moments, you know, the flow of those judgments of those thoughts And it's really, it's up to me as the controller of these thoughts and feelings, not controlling of the thoughts and feelings, but controller in terms of, of making a choice in order to take that thought or feeling and put it into behavior. That's really the thing that we have choice over is that's, that's what I would classify as a sense of free will. Free will is is a complicated concept on its own because we're always driven by desires and all of that stuff. But when we're experiencing thoughts and feelings in terms of our reactions to our environments and reactions to our needs, those thoughts and feelings, the decisions that we make based on those experiences end up leading to the decisions that we make uh, uh, in terms of what behaviors to exhibit. So for example, If I'm aware that my body feels a certain way because I eat certain foods, I can make that decision based on how my body feels or based on how I'm thinking about it and make the logical choice to switch the type of bread I'm eating or switch the type of food I'm eating to better satisfy the needs of my body. And that's pretty simple logic, but it's really hard to listen to and to make behavior changes around. So what we have a choice to do is change our behavior. But sometimes we don't change our behavior because it just feels good to both be in control of our thoughts, but also be able to say that we're not in control. To be able to be kind of fatalist and let things be what they are and let things happen to us. And that's another tricky part of all of this too. Is that to let your thoughts and feelings be what they are is not to say that you're a victim of your thoughts and feelings, which it would be to say that you're a victim of your environment and you're a victim to your reactions to your environment. The idea is not an excuse for you to let your thoughts and feelings control who you are. The idea is for you to be able to make effective choices and define your sense of normal and create behaviors and habits Around the full breadth of understanding of what your thoughts and feelings are. So in a sense, it's about honoring your thoughts and feelings, honoring what is happening in your body and in your mind so that you can properly make the best choices that you need to. And there's a spectrum, right? It's not about being the most perfect person in terms of your eating habits and nutrition, right? Because there's a balance of being able to you got to still enjoy things like it's okay to eat ice cream like if you're having bowel issues and you need to eat a non-dairy ice cream and you know you're you're going to keep perpetually physically suffering because you're not making a behavior change then make the behavior change but you're still allowed to make a behavior change in in service of joy and pleasure and being a human being some of the things that i've been uh, exposed to recently have been this feeling of of this constant chase of a higher sense of being or spirituality and i think there is there's this nuanced powerful challenge of that chase for spiritual highness and connectedness is interconnected with the social desire for hierarchical improvement or self-improvement. I've even struggled with calling this a self-improvement podcast. I talk about empowerment and mental health empowerment because empowerment is a state of being, whereas development is a constant up. And we may not always be going up. And even so, like, what is up? What is, what is the top of the mountain? What is the pinnacle of the human experience? Is that something you can't be right now? like when you're listening to this podcast and you're just sitting and you're looking at something and maybe your your hunger is satisfied, your urges are satisfied. Is there never a moment where you feel like you're like good or perfect or whatever, whatever your version of that is? It's simply okay to be where you are. And to allow yourself to let go of where you aren't. Because I think that's like one of the biggest challenges is that there's always this sense of who we were, who we are, and where we're going. And I think being able to spend more time in who we are is an acceptance of the construct of reality that we're all living in which is right now. The past is a collection of interpretations and what we've experienced and what other people have experienced and connecting the dots. And we have shared experiences so we can say like, oh yeah, that happened, right? Yes, Rugrats was a real thing in the 90s. We remember that show. And right now it's not something that's happening. I haven't, I, I didn't think about Rugrats until I brought it up right now and you probably haven't either. It's not something that's, in our sphere of influence at the moment. It can be. We can bring the past into the present, but it's always still the present. The present is going to be what it is. The future is the same thing. We worry about what's what's to come. We worry about what's happening. We worry about uh, what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, where money is coming from, etc. And if we were to just look at right now and what we can do right now or what we can be right now, and allow ourselves to accept the fact that we're always in process, we're always in flow, the river of our mind is continuing to go all the time, we just need to allow it to be and watch the river flow and then make choices as to like what that river flow means for us, then we can effectively choose what we need to do, whether that's plan for something that's coming up or to be in the moment, And be present. And I think that's really what it's all about. At the end of the day is an acceptance that we are consistently in process, that we are consistently growing and changing and that's okay. And something that we may not know right now is going to come to us later as a result of our experiences and our training and our growth and our learning that what we know right now is something that we didn't know before and what we are now is always a beautiful thing what we are now is a perpetual acceptance and state of of being as a person that's to be human to be human is to to be here and to to be in flow and being in flow allows for your thoughts and feelings to be what they are and then make the choices you need to make and just keep going on the cycle. There isn't an end point other than death. Then some people would argue there's more. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm here. All I know is I'm in my car. I'm holding a microphone and there are birds chirping and I have to go get laundry because time's up. (laughs) Uh, And That's just what's going on. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So I hope that all made sense. I tangented quite a bit, but um, I, I think it's important to understand what thoughts and feelings are in terms of either the spark in your mind, the collection of sparks that equal an idea or the interpretations of the sensations that happen in your body and the expressions of your experiences and your thoughts and, and how that expresses through poetic language and crying and, and uh, joy and laughter and uh, physical sensations of relief and tension. All of those things that we experience as human beings are, are beautiful. They're valid. They're wonderful. It's part of what makes us feel alive. And there's no reason to control them. All we can do is make decisions based on what they are, And over time, our thoughts and feelings are going to change. They are going to change themselves. And at the end of it all, we have to just let them be what they are and experience what it's like to be a person in flow, in process, in the moment, in the now, and just do the best we can. That's the thing. Just do the best you can. All we can do is the best that we can. We can't do better than we can. And often the tension and stress that we feel is this feeling of doing more than we think we can or wanting to do more than we think we can. Just do what you can do. That's it. So with all of that said, I, that felt good for me. I hope that feels good for you. (laughs) Uh, If you have any thoughts, comments, queries, uh, you can hit me up at uh, on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this there, or if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, leave a rating and review there. And um, I will, I I read them all. I respond to comments. I do the whole thing. And I like hearing from you guys. I like hearing your stories. I like hearing uh, your thoughts on these podcast episodes, how they're helping you think about new things and, and uh, I take requests for topics all the time. So let me know what where you're at. I want to know you and I want to know uh, your relationship to this podcast and, and all of that stuff. Um, with all of that said, if you go to our website at depotme.life, you can take our chat bot to learn about your personality type. Uh, it's still in beta, but I also offer profiling sessions, which you'll hear a little bit at the end of this podcast about a testimonial for one of those. And then, um, I'm starting to put up what are called empowerment kits. So if you know your personality type or you take our test and you learn the personality type, uh, that you are, you can go pick up one of our empowerment kits, which is a, uh, an explainer of what the cognitive functions are for your personality type. Uh, right now, INTP, INFP, INFJ, and INTJ are available. You can go check those out check them every day to see if your type is available. And if you want your type, uh, done sooner than later, leave a comment and I will definitely make that happen. And, um, Other than that, you know, the idea is that uh, it helps support the channel and it supports you by giving you uh, some great advice on your personality type, what your greatest opportunities for growth are and how to move forward from here. So with all of that said, uh, I hope you will start letting go of some of the judgments that you have around your thoughts and feelings. Let them be what they are. They're all valid. They are all a part of the process of making decisions of what to do as a human person and that's just you know part of what we are it's part of what we do and let just let it be so I love you thank you for being here thank you for listening to this podcast take care of yourselves and each other I have been c-note I'll catch you next time on dopamine see ya This has been a C Note Media production.
1: I'm Hayden, and I'm an ENTP.
0: I went into that
1: session thinking, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out more about myself. Great, and this will be fun." But it wasn't just that. Like, I really got my top blown. Like, I, <laughs> I look at myself completely differently now. I look at my relationships differently now. I'm in the process of figuring out how. I work best as a creative person, as a business owner. I had to recontextualize a lot of my life, which was work, but it was the kind of work that gives you more clarity moving forward. And I I thought I was doing it one way and that was the way I was supposed to do it. And then I sat down for a freaking hour session and you know, my whole life is different after that. (laughs) I saw everything differently after leaving. There was, there was sort of life before this and life after, which I know sounds extreme, but it's not. That's, ex- that's totally true for me. It's so satisfying to understand yourself. It's a huge relief. And like if our, if our goal, if, if our life is about, you know, having a relationship with yourself so that you can experience the world in a true and natural way and like sort of live to your fullest potential, This is so essential to that. Like, If you don't know yourself, if you don't know how you work best and how you connect best, how can you hope to feel free in your own life? If I hadn't had a session, I would not have been able to start that work at all. And I can't imagine my life without it now. Um, I think it would have taken me a lot longer to come to peace with myself And really start to appreciate who I am, what I make, how I make relationships with others, how I tend to that relationship, how I tend to myself. And it's incredibly helpful to be guided through that by a person with so much knowledge about what these types mean, how you can interpret that, how you can apply to your daily life these principles um, and just new ways of being Um, so I really appreciated it I can't recommend it enough I feel like it's all I've talked about with people since I keep bringing it up I don't even care if I'm annoying (laughs) Um, it's just been a, a really huge perspective shift for me
0: Sign up for your own one-on-one personality profiling session at dopamine.life slash profiling session today.